It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome, guys. It's time to have lunch with some of the biggest leaders. Welcome to Money for Lunch. I am thrilled that you're here. And we have um, a quote of the day. Uh, Somebody sent this to me. So if you want your quote to be read uh, on the air, send it to me uh, via Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn uh, or even Twitter. Um, Anyway, uh, this was sent to me by Daphne G., It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently by Warren Buffett. This is so true, isn't it? It takes 20 minutes, I'm sorry, 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. If you think about that, you'll do things differently by the great oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett. All right, let's get this party started. Michael C. Taylor joins us today. Michael C. Taylor sold bonds on Wall Street and founded a private investment business. He also writes about finance for the San Antonio Express News and the Houston Chronicle. Additional information can be found at Bankers Anonymous, bankers-anonymous.com. Michael Taylor, welcome to the show. Bert, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. So, uh, do you live in Texas? I do. I'm in San Antonio. I'm not a native Texan, which Texans won't forgive, but I, <laughs> I'm from Massachusetts and spent 13 years in New York City working on Wall Street. And then I moved down here almost 10 years ago. Gotcha. Okay, great. All right. Well, yep. as a young man, I used to have a paper out. I grew up in Houston and I used to throw the Houston Chronicle. So, Oh, great. Uh, Yeah, uh, good stuff. Always great memories there. Love Houston. Um, And, uh, you know, and what's so nice that you spent all that time in New York, it got you ready for the full time. Well, in in San Antonio, the humidity is not that bad. In Houston, it's pretty severe. So San Antonio is probably a good, uh, good place. I may never get used to the heat in Texas, but we in San Antonio, we say, well, at least we have Houston, which is worse, right? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's our only saving grace. Houston's probably worse, but it's pretty bad here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so let's talk about this, because you previously worked uh, for Goldman Sachs selling mortgage bonds, and so how do you go from, from Wall Street to end up writing a personal finance book for college graduates? Talk about this. Well, um, I will admit that um, only half-jokingly that I worked at, at Goldman structuring the, the weapons of mass financial destruction. And I actually <laughs> am proud of the, the, the work I did at Goldman, and everybody I worked with were smart and actually ethical, and nobody believes me, but it is true. But uh, So it's a, it's a great job. On the other hand, um, as I write somewhat late in my book, it wasn't probably a great fit for me. I was there for six years. Um, the turning point is probably 2008. Um, at which point I was running an investment company, which I'll admit didn't survive the crisis. Um, but the realization in the years to co- after that was, wow, nobody understands finance. The, the politicians and regulators really don't understand this. Ordinary people trying to pay their mortgage don't understand this. And uh, frankly, bankers clearly didn't understand the products. 
And then I thought to myself, well, I understand this very well, and I also have a gift for teaching and explaining things simply. And I just decided that was my life's mission, was to try to explain everything from Main Street to Wall Street so that everybody could understand it. I believe it to be understandable, um, but just not often expressed correctly. That's also why I write for a paper. I thought, I thought to myself, journalists don't really understand this well enough. Um, so I'm on that mission. I'm on this long journey of trying to make what seems complicated simple. Yeah, um, and I'm glad you're doing it because it is complicated or at least overwhelming. Let me say that because when you start thinking about, okay, where am I going to invest my money, that becomes ridiculous. And so I'm glad that you're yeah. out there, uh, you know, uh, helping us understand this uh, weird language. The book, yep. Financial Rules for New College Graduates, um, you know, it, I think this is a phenomenal idea because, you know, you're you're freshly out of school, and the minute that you graduate, the first thing, uh, besides getting a few congratulation uh, congratulation cards, you start getting credit cards, uh, and and before you know it, you know you're you're buying a new car. You're, you 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 go from starving student to um, living the American dream full of debt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Those first five years, if you're fortunate enough to, to finish college, um, the first five years after that, every personal finance person knows this are, are super consequential. You're going to have to deal with, do you have student loan debt? Do you have credit card debt? Do you need to buy a car? Probably. Do you need to start thinking about eventually home ownership? Probably. Um, do you need to negotiate um, your first job? And if you're fortunate enough to have a great job, you might have a retirement plan. And if you don't, then you have to presumably think about other uh, retirement options. And then there's the issue of, which I'm sure is close to your heart, entrepreneurship, you know. Um, so there's a whole bunch of decisions to be made while you're still in your 20s that I'm in my now late 40s. We and everybody I know thinks, wow, if I only understood this stuff when I was in my 20s, this would have been so much easier. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's highly consequential. Um, I guess I should say that the further history to me doing this is I taught a, a personal finance course at Trinity University in San Antonio a few years. And these are uh, – this is essential – people need this stuff. They're in college. Um, and I think they ate it all up. On the other hand, I felt at the end of the course, wow, I, I, they haven't actually been faced with the choices, most of them, of, you know, because they're still between 18 and 22. Um, so I needed this book to exist so I could hand it to them after the course and say, go forth and remember the lessons, but also here's a reference guide <laughs> in a way yeah. you know, they would actually read. Um, but yeah, uh, happy to talk more about student loan debt, but I just wanted to give you that little background, but I'm, I'm with you when you're 20, between the ages of 22 and like 28, 29, the, boy, there's a lot of choices. And we, we generally, unless we were in the very fortunate few where we had very sophisticated parents who really know what they're doing. Most of us just muddle through and, and then a few decades later you go, ah, now I know what I was supposed to be doing. I'm trying to, I'm trying to short circuit that process. And they're like, here's the book, here's what you should be doing. Um, and you don't have to wait decades to understand it. You can at least read it and, and have, have the lessons begin to, to soak in. Yeah, no, I think that this is one of those things that really people need to study in college. I mean, really, 
I would even say let's back it up and start it in high school because the fact that they teach you junior high, junior high. (laughs) Okay. Junior high. The fact that they teach you history and and history uh, don't, don't get me wrong. History is somewhat important, but if, if you know your history forwards and backwards, but you don't know how to manage your money and deal with that, then the fact that you know history really well probably won't mean anything, right? I mean, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, history's great, and I think everybody should take a lot of history. But yeah, if the facts of the Civil War versus wow, is there a difference between a eight percent debt and eighteen percent debt and twenty eight percent debt? Uh, yeah, there is, and that's going to be very consequential <laughs> if you don't really know how interest rates work, um, and nobody's taking the time to go, hey, this is, you know, this is this is very important right now. You got to work on this. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I, I would even yeah. also say, you know, classically, I'm a little bit obsessed as a guy who teaches personal finance concepts with math, and um, you know, trigonometry and calculus have never come back to me after high school. Um, but the math of compound interest, um, which I didn't get taught until very late, is the thing that we are all subject to this math. You know, everybody yes. deals with compound interest math, but hardly anyone, unless you're a particular type of engineer, is ever going to get around to trigonometry and calculus in real life. And yet, we spend a lot of time on that kind of stuff and very little time, I would say no time, in most of my uh, asking people, did you ever learn compound interest math? No. Um, and it, 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 it should and ought to start in junior high um, and then be repeated and, and applied and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a bit of an obsession of mine, uh, that gap in the way we teach. Uh, and I have lots of theories about why that happens. But um, I, will, I will say that I took a risk with this book and I plunked a couple of math chapters in the early parts because I was so mad reading personal finance books. I said, you know what, I'm going to teach this. Nobody else – personal finance books typically assume – that uh, the effects of compound interest, which is I'll put a little chart here and I'll, and I'll wave my hands and there'll be some fancy numbers put away this much. And 30 years later, you'll have, you know, 10 times that amount, but I actually think we could learn the math and I teach it. And, and that's just sort of an obsession of mine, but that, that is a junior high level skill set. It's a little bit of algebra and it should be taught. Um, anyway, that's yes. Since you mentioned what, how are we not teaching this? I, I'm obsessed with that topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and you know the, the 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 reason we waste so much time teaching math is because really our, our system is somewhat broken in, in the sense that look if you love math and you see math in your future because you're going to be a scientist or you're going to be um, I don't know you. Bottom line is you're going to go into a math-related field, then by all means, you should know more math than I do. Mm-hmm. But we all, as you said, we all are going to deal with compound interest for good, bad, or ugly, right? And, and yep. compound yep. interest – It works both ways. It, it can make yeah. you poor or it can make you rich. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, I yep. remember reading this that Albert Einstein – didn't fully grasp compound interest, right? He said it's a, it's, it's a fantastic thing. And, and, you know, bottom line is it's just something that we need to really understand and we don't. And so everybody deals with money, but not all of us need to deal with high levels of math. 
uh, is my right. whole point. And I think that uh, our school could do better because, again, not only, you know, I know that, you know, Jay Leno uh, would do these little commentaries and there's people out on the street who wouldn't know who the president is and they don't know, mm-hmm. you know, that the capital of Texas uh, or the capital of, uh, you know, of whatever state. Yeah, and, and that's kind yeah. of entertaining. But the reality is, you know, who gives a crap? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just... Anyway, those things really don't matter. All right, so let's talk about this. Uh, I love the fact that you write a weekly column uh, for not one but two newspapers. I mean, the Houston Chronicle Mm -hmm. is very big. Uh, The San Antonio Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Express there, I think it's the biggest paper in San Antonio, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, But I want to talk about – you yourself have like a major critique – when it comes to financial media, for lack of better terms, mm-hmm. or, fi- or yeah, yeah. let's call it financial content, starting, um, mm-hmm. and you talk about it in chapter two of your book. So, so what could be? Talk about. Yeah, so I put it really early in the book because I have this theory, which I haven't seen anywhere else, which is that if we're going to try to have a healthy relationship to money, which we ought to aspire to, which is different from I want to get really rich, which you know that's great too. But let's at least start with let's have a healthy relationship with money. Let's not be slaves to our money. Let's try to, you know, calmly and, and slowly over time, ideally build a um, get rich slow, right? But it's good, it could take decades, but, you know, let's have a handling. I think it is hard to do that if you take financial media at face value without understanding that financial media, and I call it in the book, and it's the name of the chapter, the financial infotainment industrial complex, which is a little riff on the military industrial complex. But it's like, I, I'm just trying to express, this is a dangerous thing. And I'm in the media, so this is a little weird for me to say, but it rep, people don't really realize that financial media is not trying to get you wealthy. It's not trying to actually be helpful in how to invest. It is trying to extract a mo- an emotional response from you through fear or greed, classically on Wall Street, we say there's two, there's two forces at work, fear and greed, and, and financial media plays on this. Um, and that fear and greed captures your attention, and then ultimately there is a sale there. We have to understand that media is in the business of capturing your attention through emotion and then selling you something. So if you know that, I think you can go, okay, well, fine, financial media is a good form of entertainment. Um, and I don't mind to be entertained. I like to be entertained, but it's not where you should actually get your real information. So <laughs> this is, again, weird for me because I work for a newspaper, but I guess I would say uh, uh, I, I write a newspaper column because I'm so pissed off about, <laughs> frankly, about how financial journalism works oftentimes. So I'm, I'm writing from a position of I don't like what else I see out there, and I, I better just write a better version of it. Um, so financial well, media has an agenda is, is what I think people should understand and they should be yeah. inoculating themselves against it. And I will say the solution, um, this is going to sound self-serving, but I've already told you why I'm part of the problem, which is I wrote a newspaper column. The solution is long, like books, like read long form books. If you really want to understand finance. Um, so I've written a book to, you know, to solve that problem, but, there is more wisdom in books written 70 years ago. Take uh, Benjamin Graham, the intelligent investor, because you, you mentioned Warren Buffett before. Buffett says, this is the book. This is the guy. This is how I learned to invest. Uh, there's more in that book written 70 years ago than in like five years worth of 
newspaper columns and blogs and television shows about finance. I'll just stop there, but that, that's kind of um, a short version of my rant about the financial infotainment industrial complex. Yeah, I love that. And I think that the uh, media in itself, I love what you're calling it, the infotainment, what is it? Industrial complex. The financial yeah. infotainment industrial complex. It's like this joining of Wall Street and media, which is dangerous. Sure, and you can use that just in anything. I mean, look, the news, 90% of the time, the news is not newsworthy. But it is there mm-hmm. to entertain you, to scare you, to motivate you, um, and it's it's an amazing thing. But yep. it's one of those things that may not be required uh, for everyday consumption, as opposed to knowing your finances. Yes, that to me is is as important as knowing how to take care of your health. Um, yeah, and so um, I want to. All right, so yeah, yeah. So I just do you mind if I there's something you said at the very beginning about um, it takes twenty you know twenty years to build a reputation of five minutes to destroy it. There's something in the yeah. time difference um, that I think we to do finance right, we should have that twenty year view in mind rather than the five minute view, and that works in a couple different directions. One is compound interest, you know, like putting away a little bit of money now, waiting 20 years and good things happen, which is kind of all of like how to invest in a nutshell, I think. Um, it, it captures the power of compound interest. It also captures how we should approach financial media, which is financial media is in the business of telling you things for the next five minutes because that's what's exciting. Um, but if we want to do it right, if we want to invest the right way, we need to take the 20-year view, I believe, and if you can do that, things are going to work out a lot better. So uh, I, I believe books are the key to taking the 20-year view and ordinary financial media. And again, I'm part of it. I read a weekly column, but that's kind of a five-minute view. So in all ways, we should be raising our sights to the horizon towards 20 years rather than burrowing down into the next five minutes is my view. Anyway, I'll stop sure. there. And something that you said about, you know, the the media, the financial media is not trying to necessarily build your wealth or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Again, that's true. I, and I think that, you know, again, back to junior high and high school and, 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 and even college uh, and maybe college, not so much, but it, definitely junior, junior and junior high and, and uh, high school there. Uh, they talk about, hey, you got to need this stuff so uh, you can get, you know, get that big job and make the big money and get the big mm-hmm. house and the big mm-hmm. career. Uh, but they never really talk about, you know, the uh, the savings plan and the control or the discipline that it takes to do that. I mean, if you look at people mm-hmm. like Warren Buffett, uh, this guy is a long-term investor. And, and that's why he's, oh, you yeah. know, he's, it, it, I think he's the world's most successful investor but he's very slow, very methodical, and he reads like three or four hours a day. And somebody asked him if you could do anything else in the world today, what would you do? He says, I would read more. This guy is yeah. a content eating machine and, and he's looking for what's next and he's evaluating stuff. Him and Charlie Munger spend 90% of the time just studying. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, it's an amazing lesson. They, those two guys, uh, if we should all be uh, trying to do some of what they do. I think it's hard to do all of what they do, but some of what they do, yes. And, and reading and not being distracted by, frankly, financial media um, yeah. is a key part of that, I'm sure. Well, yeah. and I think that the, the basics of how they built their wealth is highly duplicatable. And, and you mm-hmm. know, what? and so, so to be completely transparent, this is what I do. This is, and, and again, I am not a financial advisor. This is not, uh, this is, you know, uh, if you're going to follow my advice, you're following it at your own risk, please consult a professional. Uh, so right. for years, um, I, you know, I tried to, you know, I, I did, I did study on my own. I invested uh, in uh, in some financial newsletters by Motley Fool, and they were somewhat helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I started studying Warren Buffett, and so I decided I'm just going to do what Warren Buffett does. So mm-hmm. Warren Buffett holds a lot of Coca Cola. Well, guess what? I started buying a lot of Coca Cola, and and one of the uh-huh. reasons that Warren Buffett buys Coca Cola is because they do this weird thing: is that they pay dividends, and mm-hmm. so a lot of the stocks that Warren and Charlie Munger have is because they pay dividends. And so you get, mm-hmm. you get a bump because the stock goes up in value and then you get an additional bump because they pay out a dividend. So uh, again, this yep. is my philosophy. I just kind of, kind of started doing what they were doing. It's worked out fairly well for me. And then of course, you know, Warren Buffett uh, is really big on doing what it, the opposite of what everybody else is doing. So he sells when everybody else is buying and he buys when everybody else is selling. And uh, uh, not, not to, spend any more time with that. I wanted to get, ask you this about the book. And again, uh, for those who are wondering, uh, maybe you've already forgotten, but the book is called The Financial Rules for a New College Graduate. So is this book really just for college graduates? I mean, it sounds like you're hitting the 24, 25, 26-year-olds. Talk about who you're targeting. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. Financial rules for new college graduates. I think uh, most 60-year-olds could still use it and benefit from it. And I have lots of uh, grandparents who've told me, I love your book. <laughs> it's clarified for me. Um, here's how I think about it. My peer group, I'm 46. My peer group is starting to figure stuff out. And they're going, wow, if I'd only known 20 years ago what I know now. And that is an extremely consistent message I get. So, uh, so Folks, depending on where you are in your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, you may still go, I think I know some stuff, but I want to know if I'm on the right track. Because if you don't grow up with a sophisticated parent teaching you this, you have to learn it the hard way, which I would say takes decades. So I think uh, many people who are not recent college grads, 40s, 50s, in their 60s, are still going to benefit. The, the highest point of leverage, the people who can do very simple, reasonably easy to understand things and have the greatest impact are people in their 20s because that's just how compounding works and very I, my my phrase is very small steps taken early beat heroic steps taken late and that's just we just yeah. know that from that's how the math works so if you're in your 20s yeah uh, implement some easy stuff and it's just going to work out if you're in your 50s it's harder for it to all work out you have to be a bit more heroic if you if you're a little bit behind um Another way of 
another way of thinking about this in terms of who will this apply to, my joke about personal finance is that there aren't a lot of new ideas for the past 400 years. I mean, like, you know, um, uh, Benjamin Franklin's book on personal finance is amazing. You read it and you go, wow, Benjamin Franklin nailed this in 1760. <laughs> so, you know, you don't need a lot of innovation in personal finance in terms of what works. Um, what works is do you have a message that people can relate to and do you hit people in the right phase of life? My book happens to be most effective if you're 22 and you're like, I totally believe that guy and his simple rules are super simple and I'm going to implement them. But uh, everybody else, I think, I, I deeply believe will also benefit. Um, sure. I also, well, I also happen to believe that there's not a ton of 22-year-olds, unless they're already oriented this way, who want to buy a book on finance. That's what their parents and their grandparents are obsessed with. So I kind of, in my mind, I'm like, the people who are going to buy the financial rules for new college graduates are the grandparents. They're like, I just dropped tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> Here, have a book. <laughs> right. So that you can cut a few decades off your learning process like I wish I did. But that's, in a sense, um, I already have that in mind. <laughs> You're going to buy it. Well, you know what? And, and what I love what you just said about things have not changed. I mean, bottom line is yeah. – in order for you to live the way you want to live, all you have to do is invest money, start saving it, and then you know you can start investing. And today, I think it's easier than ever because they have so many ways that you can buy, uh, what do they call it, micro shares of the stock. So you can't afford to invest oh, $100 yeah. in Google, but you, can, but you can afford to buy, you know, whatever, uh, $20 of that $300. And there's so many different tools out there. And, but bottom line is you have to get started. That's it. And, and, and if you start at the age of 20 and and you probably know this better than anybody. Uh, and I, I read this article years ago and I can't, don't remember the, the, uh, the total, uh, facts, but I'm paraphrasing it. And that is they took two brothers or two colleagues uh, one started investing at the age of 20, uh, started saving and investing his money at the age of 20, and he stopped at the age of 40. The other gentleman started yep. at the age of 40 and invested till the age of 60. They both invested in uh, for 20 years. The difference was is that the guy who started in his 20 had like a million and a half or two million dollars more than the guy who started in his yep. 40s. Absolutely. No, it's a, it's a super classic, great example that every, frankly, junior high and then again, high school student should see that example. The classic one is invest from 10 years in your 20s versus 30 years between ages, you know, 40 and 60. And uh, depending on you know, some return assumptions, but essentially, yeah, the starting early destroys starting late by a huge margin. And, and the basis for that is compound interest math, which I'm obsessed with teaching and everybody should learn. And it would take a couple of hours, you know, a couple of YouTube videos. I have them on my website, Bankers Anonymous. But there's hundreds of people teaching compound interest for free on YouTube and how to do it in a spreadsheet. And this is not beyond um, our ability to figure out. But, yeah, absolutely. Starting early always beats starting late. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those – it's just math. <laughs> True is right. we don't teach the math in a way that people can access it, I think. Um, sure. Hey, yeah, Michael, we're out of time. I want to I want to plug the book one more time. The book is called The Financial Rules yeah. for New College Graduates. If you are struggling financially, uh, maybe you have some questions about uh, 
uh, about your finances, this might be a perfect book, whether you're a new college graduate or a very old college graduate, or maybe you haven't even graduated college, pick up the book, The Financial Rules of New College for New College Graduates, available on Amazon, also available at bankers-anonymous.com. Michael Taylor, thank you so much for stopping by. Bert, really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. You bet. Good stuff there from Michael C. Taylor, the book, Financial Rules for the New College Graduates. Man, money is important in investing it, or I should say saving it and investing it is extremely important, especially if you want to have peace of mind. As always, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.